1: Welcome into Attacking Third. We have a big show for you today with the semifinals of the Women's World Cup kicking off tomorrow uh, and the return of the NWSL regular season as well. Later on in the show, we're going to have Sandra Herrera joining us as always and a special guest, Sam Coffey. I'm Jenny Chu here with Lisa Carlin, Jordan Angeli and Darian Jenkins. For a second there, I forgot your name. I don't know why that keeps (laughs) happening to me. That's all right, Jenny. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. We've only been working together for a month
2: now, huh? (laughs) It's usually Lisa, so you just pass it on. Next, I'm gonna
1: forget Darian's name, sorry. Um, Guys, the semifinals are coming up.
2: I'm so excited.
1: I can't believe we're already here. It's been fast, but also slow. The days are long, but the weeks
0: have (laughs) flown by. It's, we're entering like the last phase of this World Cup and and all of the competition that we've seen. I don't want to, it's bittersweet. I don't want it to end. It's really bittersweet.
3: This has been so, such a fun World Cup. Mm -hmm. I know, and I've just stayed awake the whole time. <laughs> you, look, you look good for staying awake the whole time. Thank you, I try. You
1: say that, you know, we've been up the whole time and it's been so great. And these are the first time that we're going to have a first-time World Cup winner. Let's Love go. It. Yeah, Love How it. amazing is that? We started with 32 teams, saw a bunch of teams that we had never seen before, and now the final four are teams that have never won it.
2: I love it. I think it's perfect for this time in women's soccer. Mm -hmm. We've seen the game explode over the last four years. There has been a, a talk about the push of the women's game. And here it is, front and center, a new World Cup winner coming up.
1: Um, In a week's time, we'll know who it is. Let's take a look at the Women's World Cup bracket, as you mentioned that, Jordan, and see what is left to be played for. Like we said, tomorrow it kicks off Spain against Sweden, and then on Wednesday, Australia against England. We're going to get into detail about all of those matches. But first, Sportsline winning projection has Spain winning with 33%. Uh, I'm not sure how you guys feel about this or whether you agree with it. England is right behind there. What are we thinking? Is Spain the the leader here? I agree. I think Spain should be at the
0: top of this list. They're a team that has scored a bunch of goals throughout this World Cup. They've come up in really big moments. They've had some setbacks in in what they've been able to do. You look at their group stage game against Japan. But for me, Spain is ahead of England. I like how these numbers have shaken out, except Australia. I wish they were
1: higher in that list. Darian, home country, Australia. They're not even giving them a boost for being the home country? Home country. I'm rocking with Australia. I actually think Australia is going to
3: win. Okay, oh, the whole thing. I think they're going to win the whole thing. I like it. Everyone has Darian. not put them on the map, and they've proved us wrong time and time again, every single game, and been more of a threat each game, and been more entertaining. Mm-hmm. And we've all the talk of the town was Sam Kerr. Oh, she gonna da, da, da. They haven't even really needed no? Sam Kerr. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. They can do it without her. And then to look at the sidelines and see her coming onto the pitch when they're already dominating a game, is a force to be reckoned yeah. with. So I think Australia is going to prove everybody wrong. What are you thinking, Jordan?
2: You haven't told us. I want Australia to win. I want them mm-hmm. to win. I'm with everything that Darian just said. The coolest part is you look at that and you think any of these teams can win. Mm-hmm. Legit, I don't know the last time we were at this, this moment and I felt mm-hmm. like it, if the game goes the way one of these teams, like we're, we're going to see a victory from one of those four. Um,
1: and I think they're all capable of doing that. They absolutely are. This is so exciting just to have these teams here, the stories and the amount of money that they're guaranteed now because they're in the final four is unreal. Um, let's dive into the first semifinal. That's going to be Spain against Sweden, like we mentioned, and how Spain got here. So Spain 8 nil in their first two matches against Costa Rica and Zambia. And then they lost 4-0 to Japan. And then for them to bounce back and beat Switzerland and Netherlands, that was incredibly impressive for them to come back from that Japan loss and say, hey, We're still that team. It feels like one
2: of the things that you need for a team in the World Cup is you need to be peaking at the right time. Mm -hmm. For Spain, I look at their road to get to where they're at, and I don't mind that there was a little bump in the road, that they had that loss against Japan, and it was a very dominating loss, and they dominated the ball. So it was this opposites of where they had a lot of the ball, they had all the... uh, Chances, but yet they lost and I think some of that can be pulled into this game against Sweden because now they're gonna play a Swedish team Who has half of the amount of final third passes that Spain does so I think Spain's gonna have a lot of the ball Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will they be effective with it? But also have the ability to learn from that Japanese loss or that Japan loss and say we have to be better on the counter which Sweden will punish you with some of their players up front if they're not.
0: Yeah, Darian, one of your favorite phrases here is you learn more from your losses than you do your wins. And we saw that with the Spanish side and and that match against Japan, the fact that they A, couldn't get on the scoreboard and then they conceded four. since then they have, been more tactical in the way that they're going up against their opposition. And you talked about this Swedish side, a team that doesn't need possession to control the game. So that will play into Spain's game plan for this. Have a lot of possession. They generate over 26 shots per game. That's going to be really tough for Sweden. And-, and Musevic, the goalkeeper, is going to have a lot Giants, to handle. Yeah. And she has been player of this tournament mm-hmm. so far. However, Ooh. going up against uh, 26 shots for this mm-hmm. Spanish side is going to be tough. They're going to be put under a lot of pressure. And when Spain attacks, they go with numbers and they go really organized. And if they can do that in waves of transition attack, it'll be a key factor against Sweden.
3: I think something to, for Sweden to capitalize on is this backline of Spain's. I don't think yeah. that they've performed that great. They've given a lot of opportunities up just off of simple tactical mistakes and just kind of not being tuned into what's happening in the game. Um, And other teams haven't punished them. And this Swedish team has proven that they can finish and Mm -hmm. they will take advantage Mm -hmm. of these opportunities. When you talk about that, I look at Irene Paredes because she's been the stalwart for this
2: backline of the Spanish squad. She's played in all 12 of their games in the World Cup since they came in in 15. So she's played in three iterations now of the World Cup. I like what she brings when it comes to organization. She's really Mm -hmm. good on the ball. 86% passing percentage is Paredes. She's going to have a new right back next to her. And so that's going to be interesting. Will they go with Olga? Will this be, who's the player that Spain puts in, I think is a big question. But Paredes is going to have to continue to win that space that she has been in defensively. She's going to have her hands full with Baxtinius and Arolfa coming inside Mm -hmm. and occupying that half space in front of her. But she's won. 12 aerial duels in this tournament alone. So Paredes has to be good in the air not only on that first initial ball, but inside the oh, box, the because that is where Sweden scored yeah. their goals. Yeah. Well, Jordan, as
1: you mentioned, um, there's going to be a different right back. Hernandez is out with yellow card accumulation, so there's definitely going to have to be a change there. But I think the biggest thing that's po- that stuck out to me is that Bonmati was so um, strong in the first few matches, and then Netherlands kind of shut her down, and yeah. then Jenny Hermoso had to come in and take hold of the game for Spain. Who is it going to be in this match for Spain? Because they obviously have options, but Arruelos comes in and scores the game winning goal. Does she end up starting? Is there a possibility for that? Or or is she just the spark off the bench? Spain's forward, uh, Selma Parahuelo has to start. When she comes in off the bench, she is
0: electrifying the Spanish side. She subbed on in the 71st minute in in Spain's last game. She draws a penalty kick. She ends up creating chances and opportunities in the box. Her back-to-goal play is really good. And she's an athlete, a former track-and-field athlete. She can run for days, and she can be fast. So if they can find her on slip passes through the seams, is is going to be important for them. Centrally, Jenny Hermosa is important because she brings the physicality that Spain needs to have against Sweden, where a, a, a Swedish side usually dominates physicality in the midfield. I would just say, though, Spain in their
2: last game dominated first and second balls. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Hermosa. It was Bon Mati winning those First and second duels, so they have to have that same mentality going into this game against a really difficult uh, midfield in Algendal and Rubenson for Spain or for Sweden. So I think can Bonmati get the ball and Hermoso get the ball and be productive?
3: Absolutely, but they're going to have to have some of that dog in them too and some of that fight. <laughs> yeah, I know it's going to be like you said, the Swedish side. They're so physical, and that is one thing I. I don't know if the Spanish side can handle well. I think they get rocked and it throws off their
0: whole game. It becomes a little bit more... And we saw Sweden um, most, disrupt the play most for yeah. Japan so easily. Mm-hmm. And if Sweden can watch the Japan-Spain game and how Japan disrupted Spain in that match and then yeah. take what they just played against Japan. Everybody's learning from Japan. Poor Japan at <laughs> home. I, I know. Well, let's so talk about how Sweden
1: got here because we've covered both of them and how this game might play out in that midfield, especially Sweden's road to the semifinal. They have beaten South Africa, Italy, uh, Argentina, the USA, and Japan. Those are not easy teams to knock out. And you guys mentioned, that midfield battle that physical battle the potential second balls what else are we missing here Lisa the physicality is the biggest thing for Sweden
0: coming into this match and their services into the box immediately in the first 15 20 minutes against Japan first 10 minutes Sweden figured out how they could yeah. get in behind and then it was just crosses into the box early crosses getting in line sending them in that is where Spain dom- or Sweden dominates. Sweden is going to have a problem if Ilstad is their
2: leading shot taker. She has six shots, of course four goals, but she is a center back. If Sweden is going to win this game, they have to get Stinius Rolfo, mm-hmm. on the ball in taking shots in
1: good positions. The fact that Amanda Ilstad is right now leading the golden boot race <laughs> is <laughs> so weird. <Yeah. laughs> is center back, a They're center the back. shots on this Swedish team. It's wild. <laughs> well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the other semifinal, that's Australia against England, and we're going to break those down. That footage is so heartwarming doesn't it just make you so excited the way that Australia has embraced this team and just the World Cup in general all the fans that have gone there in crowds all over in stadiums filling watching the women's Australian national team. Scenes, Ugh. scenes from across Australia. Yeah. Amazing, the I, vibes. I love
0: the clip they showed on the airplane and it's yeah. like 99 screens and then there's the one that doesn't, but, the, <laughs> but they just guy, erupt right? <laughs> and they, they start cheering immediately. Uh, this is really big for women's football, for the country, for that part of the hemisphere and, mm-hmm. and women's soccer. The fact that Australia has made it this far and they continue to go on, it's continuing to bubble over in Australia. This isn't a football nation. This right. isn't
2: yeah. Aussie rules football nation they they love AFL they are it runs the scene and when it comes to sport and the fact that coaches for both teams delayed their press conferences in an AFL match in order to watch the penalty kicks on a cell phone <laughs> to me I have one of my best friends lives in Australia and she married an Australian and she called me crying uh, she, she's American and she just loves this Australian team they have gone wild for them right. and the Matildas are this is a reason why I feel like they might win because yeah. of of the momentum that's behind us it gives me eerily like similar feelings that we felt with the 99ers mm-hmm. here in the United mm-hmm. States mm-hmm. with Japan even when they won in 2011 I know the circumstances were different but sometimes it just feels like fate is on your side and yeah. for some reason these Matildas have yep. that fate right now. I completely
1: agree. So I lived in Australia for six months playing soccer there, and it wasn't that big. Like, everyone else loved Aussie rules, um, rugby. Like, I went to all of these matches, learned about all different sports. And these men that play these sports, mind you, I'm telling you guys because I didn't know what the sport was, um, are like stereotypical tough guys, very large-bodied people. To see them cheering for the Tillies, Mm -hmm. the the Matildas, has just been such such a beautiful thing and for them to be taking time out of their own press conferences and saying wait this is our country that's on the line and it's not only good for women's soccer just soccer in the country in general this is the first time that a World Cup men's or women's has been on that continent so Mm -hmm. just so exciting to see how they have been embraced Um, let's talk about how Australia got here because all of these fans come with a reason they come after seeing Australia do so well in this World Cup Uh, they beat Ireland they beat Canada they beat Denmark and France the only one they lost to is Nigeria but that was an extremely close match three to two but that France match in the quarterfinals they lost in penalty kicks Darian oh my goodness
3: yeah what what a set of penalties (laughs) I could not believe I was running
5: around my kitchen it was like three
3: sets (laughs) so many shots but ultimately the Australians I'm so happy you see the joy on their faces I'm heartbroken for France we had them going all the way Um, but it just, you know, it, Australia, you're talking about that energy. I yeah. think that that's really what got them through it. And
2: that miss from Becho was a moment yeah. because she had, she came into the game, had a really strong performance, but it was Courtney Vine who ends up scoring the winning penalty. Mm-hmm. And she had started at the beginning of this tournament. And mm-hmm. she lost her starting spot with a little bit of a rotation, bringing Van Eggman in centrally, pushing Caitlin Ford wide. So Vine made her way to the bench. I, she scored that penalty kick. I don't know if about you guys. I was crying. Yeah, like, I got the energy a from what that meant to her and how she has handled the adversity that has come into her World Cup journey. I just
0: felt so proud of her yeah. in, in a weird way. Maybe it's because I'm a little redheaded too. Like, it was <laughs> like, <laughs> go redheads! It was such a team effort from Australia throughout the 120 minutes and then throughout the penalty kicks. Mackenzie Arnold, the goalkeeper yes, for yes, Australia, sure had a fantastic <laughs> game throughout the 120 minutes to. To keep England off the board and, and to head into those penalty kicks. She makes three saves. She ends up taking one herself. It doesn't find the back of the net, but after she doesn't score the penalty kick, she makes a big save. Yep. Uh, they have to retake a penalty kick against her, and she stays laser-focused, makes back-to-back saves that on the retake of penalty. Afterwards. Oh cold. my gosh. Yeah. It was so and cold. you said
2: versus England, so I think she's already
0: thinking that yeah, they're
2: going to have a good, <laughs> a good game against England. I like it.
1: This is a good transition. Jordan, Go you've been talking about Caitlin Ford and, and her impact on this team. Why is she your player to watch here? Caitlin
2: Ford is a player that is going to be really dangerous, and I think there's a couple of reasons why that could be the possibility. One, if they play in this 4-4-2, they have Van Egmond and Mary Fowler, who really is the player that I think is, is playing the best for Australia right now. If they play in a 4-4-2, those two up front – it allows the the player in Caitlin Ford to have the space. But when Sam Kerr comes on, it's a totally different look. It's a four three three. Fowler moves a little bit more into a 10 position. I like Fowler at the 10. I think she is more mobile in that position. She can get on the half turn, get at the back line. But also, it gives you the target player of Sam Kerr. So if there is a lot of pressure from England, they can play directly into Sam Kerr, I think, potentially later in the game when they bring Sam Kerr in, and she can flick it, and, and Caitlin Ford presses the back line. She can get in beyond, so um, I, I think Ford is going to be important, but for me, it all rotates around Fowler, and I think she needs to continue to have, at 20 years old, being the star of
3: this mm-hmm. Australian team. I completely agree. Fowler's the number one player for Australia for me. She's a part of every attack. She's in every pocket to receive the ball mm-hmm. to get shots off. She was the biggest threat against, uh, against when they played France. And I think Kerr starts this game. You guys disagree, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride with it. I think Kerr starts this game, and I think the chemistry of her and Fowler and Caitlin Ford, and being able to use Kerr as a holdup player mm-hmm. and combine with Caitlin Ford to then get in the
0: box is gonna be their road to success in this match. Sam Kerr is coming off her first meaningful minutes against France. she yeah. came on in the 55th minute. Prior to that, we only really saw her play about 10 minutes. She made an immediate impact mm-hmm. in this game. However, they went to 120 minutes. Then they went to penalty kicks. Kerr is not healthy enough to play 120 plus minutes of football, it, not including the stoppage time. I think this is the biggest question: is how
2: well will Australia recover after a really, really demanding mm-hmm. match? Yeah, so and, much Heavy match,
0: and England Philly, has, physically, like, physically, emotionally as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. very, very limited rotation. Tony Gustafsson brings in Sam Kerr in the 55th minute. The next sub doesn't come until 100 plus minutes. You have to win the game. Yeah. So, so these That's players think, have they have been rotated. They've had a lot of miles on their legs. You look at Caitlin Ford, Haley Rasso on the outside. Those are players that put a lot of running on their legs and that's why Mary Fowler has been able to have so many opportunities. She ran what like it was like 17 kilometers during that game or something. Ridiculous. I will say oh. a lot of people
1: have not been talking about Haley Rasso, but she has been coming in clutch and I but want people to keep an eye on Haley Rasso. Let's move on to England though because we're not going to yeah. have enough time to talk about Haiti them in- and Denmark and China and then beating Nigeria on penalty kicks and 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 then obviously that last most recent game against Colombia, a two to one win in the quarterfinals. But Lisa, look at these highlights. England advancing over Colombia. They concede their
0: first goal in the run of play, and then England gets one back. It's goalkeeping mistake here oh. on Colombia's side, and England, Lauren Hemp keeping the ball alive. She just gets a toe poke on it, but that is all England needed. 63rd minute. They continue to attack. Ball inside the 18-yard box, and what a shot. Beautiful job from Alessia Russo, who had been quiet throughout this tournament. This goal for Russo is going to be really big for her. Heading into the semi-final and then into the hopeful final for England. What's most impressive to me about this English squad is they came from behind. Mm-hmm. Number one, you
2: need those types of tests. They got the tests there from coming from behind. Also, they score that goal in the last few seconds, really, of the yep. first half. You we're talking about playing an Australian team, who we just mentioned, how little rotation they have. Big five moments. Those five minutes when the game starts, Going into halftime coming out of halftime and when the games end T- teams are not focused. They can be a little bit tired Especially going into halftime you have to be able to capitalize and I think thought that was a really big goal unlucky for Colombia who we need to talk about being brilliant mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. World mm-hmm. Cup um, I thought that for England was a really telling moment about their mentali- mentality mentality yeah, We have I, to talk I, about not having Lauren James Darian
3: Yeah, no, I think uh, It's a bummer to not have Lauren Janes in this game, but they've handled it really well with Toon coming into that spot. But I also think for Russo being a forward, and we've talked about, been kind of critical of her performances of not putting goals away. And finally, in this game, getting the game-winning goal going into the semifinal is huge for a forward's confidence. And I think we're going to see that in this next match as her really taking advantage of those opportunities and hopefully having the mentality and confidence to execute
2: and the finish was instinctual very mm-hmm. and that's where she needs to be is trusting her instincts knowing she's a good forward she can score in these moments I think that that was just bigger than the game-winning goal there yeah. I think this is going to propel her into feeling really confident about where she, she can trust herself in those moments
1: mm-hmm. I completely agree but I just want to say didn't I say Alessia Russo she's coming eventually Jordan you yeah. were like yeah. well, well yeah she's about? and now she's scored, score. so, now now she scored <laughs> so there we go uh, we will have Portland Thorns player Sam Coffey on with us next stay with us Well you just saw some of her magic right there. We now welcome in Sam Coffey. Sam, how are you? Are you excited for the regular season to get back started?
4: Yes, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm really excited to get back to playing games with the group again. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing match this Sunday. So we're just ready to get to it.
1: You mentioned that match. If you guys win, you are top of the table. If you beat North Carolina Courage, how are you guys approaching this match?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're going to have an intense training week. I think we don't need to think about it any differently. I think that kind of unnecessarily adds some pressure to us um, and pressure we put on ourselves. So we're taking care of the little things through the week and just taking it a day at a time, focusing on, I think, um, aspects of our game and our um, style of play that need addressing and just working hard every day
0: and prepping for that game. Sam, playing at Providence Park has become a fortress in the league. However, the Thorns have dropped two of their last three at home. How do you change the narrative and make Providence Park a really tough place to play again?
4: Yeah, I think we we always take losing personally, um, very, very personally, maybe too personally. <laughs> um, I think even losing at home just heightens that even more. I think we all feel that so deeply. Um, But again, like I mentioned about putting excess pressure on ourselves, I think we just need to come back to the joy of playing here in Portland and just feeling um, the incredible energy in Providence Park and the atmosphere and our fans and just um, playing free and enjoying that, enjoying the environment that we have here. Um, But yeah, we, we don't take those two losses lightly. And so we're ready to get back on track on Sunday. Sam I feel like that was
2: a big talk with you guys last year heading into the championship game is playing with that freedom you ended up winning in your rookie season you became NWSL champion now you're under a new head coach and Mike Norris he's now had you guys over a number of months. What have you liked about maybe some differences in the way that Mike has handled you guys and coached you guys and what do you feel like has really changed amongst the team this year.
4: Yeah, I mean, our team's been through a lot. I don't think that's a secret. Um, And I think it's easy for a lot of teams to kind of like go in their own direction during that and to really go internal and to allow kind of the outside chaos to have a really detrimental effect on a group. And I'm not saying that there have not been hard days and still are hard days, but I think our locker room and our team is really unique in our ability to come together through hardship and to just find a way. and that takes time and that's there are a lot of ebbs and flows to that process but i think mike and his staff have done an amazing job of creating an environment here that's um just fun to play in and and i think going to training is uh i know it's the best part of my day i think it's it's the best part of a lot of people's days but we have just an environment where we're I think there's freedom to make mistakes, to try new things, to take risks. Um, I think we have a really open staff and one that's committed to each player's individual development. Like we have a um, a board in our, in our I'm not gonna, I guess in the stadium where everybody, every player has a little like magnet of their face and they can put little areas of their game that they're trying to improve. And then a coach can kind of put their name next to it. So they're going to be the coach that's going to help you kind of attack that process of trying to improve those skills. Yeah. And so... I've never been a part, I think, of a of a team and a, a culture that is so committed to each player's individual development and growth and success. Um, and you know, that's if you play ninety minutes or if you don't dress, it doesn't matter. Like we are all trying to be the best versions of ourselves, and I think our staff does an amazing job of really pouring into us in order to do that.
3: Sam, speaking of your personal development, we've heard some of your teammates gas you up and say you're one of the best holding midfielders in the nwsl and i can validate this as playing (laughs) against you last season on the losing side sadly um but you have been so great and it's been so fun to watch your game develop what are some of your personal goals and what are you trying to improve in aspects of your personal game
4: yeah well thank you i appreciate your your kind words um Yeah, I think I am definitely a growth minded person. I think if I see improvement in one part of my game, I'm like switching to the next and that can kind of be a exhausting process at times. So you have to be able to enjoy the growth that you do experience. But um, I think for me, my biggest focus is just really being like a linchpin of, um, of the team and being someone that can connect all the people around me. And I think that's a really cool part of being a six is it's sometimes that doesn't even mean that you, you get the ball, but it's your positioning. It's your movement off the ball. It's how are you creating space for other players? And so I think I really judge and critique my own game based on how the team is playing and how the players around me perform and how they feel the space and time that they have on the ball. Um, and so that's been a huge focus of me of how for me is how I can best do that and how I can best kind of set a rhythm for the team, how I can um, kind of quarterback in that way and just, um, again, create time and space for other people or set them up for success with one touch passing, playing to their correct foot. All those little details that I think can make or break a rhythm of a team are really huge for me as a six. And that's something that I want to do and um, allow the rest of the team to feel connected. And I think that that's one of my favorite parts about about playing position.
1: Sam, so many of us felt like you should have been on this World Cup roster, and now you've had some time to process uh, that disappointment, but you talked about that growth mindset, and that has to play into how you've dealt with this and, and how you plan to move forward.
4: Yes, it does. And, and, yeah, I mean, that obviously is not an easy experience, and I know I'm not alone in that experience. I know so many amazing players have experienced the same um, loss and, and uh, disappointment, I think for me, um, I am just really trying to focus again on the everyday process of, of getting better. And, um, you know, of course, I, I felt all those emotions in the first days of finding out. Um, but then it was kind of right back into this process of becoming my best self. And this is now a part of my story, and it's not one I am ashamed of or embarrassed of. I think, if anything, I'm trying to allow it to be. An opportunity for me to be even stronger and to attack the environment that I'm in, and I think this period of time with the Thorns has definitely had some ups and downs, and we've had some, I think, uncharacteristic losses. But I think even in some of that pain and disappointment has been so much growth, um, and and things that I've learned about myself, about my teammates, about um, the way that we play, and so. Yeah, I've definitely had to be diligent with my mindset about it because it's easy to, you know, be at home watching the games and to feel that disappointment. And and I want to feel it. You know, I don't think there's any shame in, in yeah. feeling sad or, or in um, feeling some of that that disappointment in in this challenging season. And so I, I've tried to make space for myself to be disappointed, be frustrated, but then to also just show up and to attack every day and to um, not be anywhere else than right where I am here today in Providence Park and to just attack every day that I show up here, uh, but I'm excited for the future. Um, you know, I I enjoyed watching the team and, and it was a cruel way for them to, to exit, um, but I have no doubt that they're going to come back even stronger and I just hope to be a part of that.
2: Yeah, Sam, this is your answer right there is why Christine Sinclair says you're the future of this Mm -hmm. national team for the United States. uh, She is one of the best and you probably enjoy playing with her all the time. You probably enjoyed watching Canada for their, their short time in the World Cup. But all these games, there have been so many good sixes playing. So you're probably keying into those players who have you liked the most and maybe in these last two semifinals, who do you think is gonna have the biggest in- impact being that like spiderweb type player that you were just talking about for yourself?
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think a big progression in my game is li- not, honestly, I'm just gonna use the word fangirling, like over <laughs> some of the, the other women in my position that I think do such an incredible job and the ways that I can learn from them or things I can kind of nitpick from their game. Obviously, we're each gonna be authentically ourselves and we all play different, we all have a different style, but. There's so many characteristics of sixes that I've watched in the World Cup that I'm like, I'm I'm gonna take that. I need to. <laughs> develop that. I think for me, I love watching Lena Oberdorf. Um I know Germany didn't have the World Cup that they wanted, but I think the defensive side of being a six is one that hasn't come as naturally to me um, in being a college ten. Yes. So that is, I think, her just aggression and her physicality and the way, I mean, she's just like a dog and destroys, mm-hmm. and I love that. I think that that's. That's something I, I focus on every every training session, every game. Like, obviously not malicious, but, you know, just, like, getting into hard tackles and the way that that can shift the energy of a game I think is so amazing. And so I love that part of her game. And, I mean, on the ball, obviously, she's, she's a beast, too. But um, I would say the other is Kira Walsh. I think she, maybe more than any other six in the women's game, I think does exactly what I was talking about in being a linchpin. And she's mm-hmm. everywhere. And her movement is so creative and smart and she's just in the middle of everything and it's in watching it. It's so simple like I don't think I mean she's so clean on the ball but like if maybe you're just uh, uh, you know you're not a professional soccer player watching the World Cup even if you're just watching it as a fan like maybe it's not as flashy or someone that you would notice right away but how simple and effective her game is 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 something incredible that I um, I really enjoy learning from but she is so clean on the ball, so smart with her movement. And she's doing that for England. She is in the middle of everything. Uh-huh. She's connecting all the people around her and you can feel the difference when she's not on the field. Um, so I'm, I was happy that obviously her knee injury wasn't worse than what it was, uh-huh. but she, um, she does an amazing job of just the, connecting the people around her and really being that quarterback uh-huh. for them.
1: Well, so do you, Sam Coffey. And I really appreciate your answer about your growth mindset and always learning as you're watching these matches. And I'm sure anyone else who is in some disappointment appreciates your answer there. So thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you. When we come back, we're going to have Darian and Jordan break down England versus Australia. You're not going to want to miss it. Welcome back into Attacking Third. That's your first semifinal Tuesday
2: morning, but on Wednesday morning, it's the big one. Host Australia take on England in the second of the semifinal matches. And these games happened over the weekend to notch them into the semifinal, Darian. They were incredible games. I think that Australia-France game will go down as one (laughs) of the best in World Cups ever. I want to look at both of these teams a little bit. First, we'll start with England and how they got themselves into this spot and a lot of it has to do with switching to this 3-5-2 formation and how much that has unlocked their midfielders to become more playmakers going forward.
3: Yeah I think with the 3-5-2 the wingbacks getting high it creates the space where if you're the opponent you're actually you're having to track you're worried about the wingbacks advancing higher so you want to just keep the ball in front and it's allowing England's midfield to check a little bit lower get the ball and then they're just combining around they're staying patient they're swinging the ball from side to side and that's been the ultimate reason for their success. Yeah, I love the second goal specifically and yes, I think we got to talk about Greenwood and how good she has been in for England and she really starts this play. Yeah, she's been a playmaker for them. Both of these goals actually come from the center backs and Georgia Stanway seeing this space and you can see how many Colombian defenders are around her. She's just right on the outside shoulder of the holding midfielder and she has such great vision. Russo, I don't think this is the ball she was going for, but her physicality ultimately leads for the ball slipping through and then class forward, low and hard, far post. Mm-hmm. It becomes innate nature for you to finish the ball that way when a ball slipped through and she does it. And this is the confidence she needed. We've yeah. been wanting her to get a goal on the board and she finally did. Yeah, Greenwood does such a good job to start that. But it is the midfielders who
2: are going to be crucial in this game mm-hmm. against Australia because Australia has some real workhorses centrally. Oh, yes. And when I looked at this Australia film against France, a play that stuck out, stuck out to me was all revolved around Cooney Cross. It comes from a throw in here. But watch Cooney Cross far side of the field. Well, she's trying to see if there's an overload with Caitlin Ford on the far side if she can get isolated. Well, when she can't, she says, all right, we're going to bring it back to this side. And look what happens. Here is where Australia can hurt you. If they find an overload in the channels, this is what they're wanting. Mm -hmm. They have Van Eggman as an option or also Haley Rasso in the channel. They opt to go to Rasso here, Carpenter does. But it's the, the dog in them. It's mm-hmm. that fight that they continue to get themselves in a really good place. I think nine times out of ten, Mary Fowler scores that goal. Yeah. She came from way back in the play, and she's just finding the right position in the box. These are the types of plays against that 3 five, 2 that are going to be crucial for Australia because there are, there are going to be moments, especially with the way that Rachel Daly plays, there's going to be space in the
3: channel. Yeah, we saw this Colombian team take those opportunities against England with that three-back. It, great, it's great attacking-wise, but if you're exposed a little bit in those wide channels, you should be worried. And Australia, I'm sure, is watching that, knowing that that's one of their strengths, these channels on the wings. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good matchup. It'll be interesting to
2: see how Australia and England match up centrally. Because you just talked about some of the players centrally, Stanway, mm-hmm. they, they have Walsh. How are they going to match up against this midfield for Australia, who Gory and Cooney Cross have been running the field for Australia. I think Gorey has ran over 50
3: plus kilometers yeah. in this World Cup. Been wild. I think it's going to be really physical. Yeah. I actually think it's going to be a game of physicality. How do you feel about it? I, I feel like it's going to be
2: physical. And if there is no pressure on the ball, Gory and Cooney Cross are going to find their outlets pretty easily. So how do those three in the midfield manage the pressure on the ball? Might be
3: the key here. Who who do you have in this one? I'm going with the Matildas. I want them for their country, for women's soccer. I want them to advance.
2: Yeah, they're back in Sydney. It's going to be interesting, home crowd. All of the pressure really on this Australian team. They're the last team to beat England Mm -hmm. in that, that lead up game to the World Cup. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a big one. Wednesday, it is Australia versus England. And we broke it down for you guys. When we get back, we're gonna bring Sandra Herrera. And we're gonna talk about the top four teams in NWSL. Stick with us.
1: This is a look at the top six teams in NWSL currently. The NC Courage top of the list. Right behind them is Portland Thorns, Gotham FC, OL Reign, and then Washington Spirit and San Diego Wave at the bottom of the top six. Let's welcome in now CBS reporter Sandra Herrera to talk through the top four teams on this list. Sandra. North Carolina Courage is at the top of the table. Let's start with Sean his team. Thirteen goals across three games for the North Carolina Courage.
5: NWSL is back. I couldn't be more. <laughs> yeah. So much. I know we've had Challenge Cup, but let's be real. The regular season is a little bit of a different beast sometime, and there's no better example of that than these top teams right now that we're going to chat a little bit about. Your shouting out Sean Nejas, I, I believe last time we talked about North Carolina courage was during their incredible run in Challenge Cup where they racked up multiple games with big heavy score lines. And now they're going to start getting some pieces back a little bit from this World Cup and they're going to get to continue to build on what they've been doing in this regular season. They left off on top. Will they continue to keep that top spot? There is just one to Two points probably separating between these top four teams in the NWSL. And there's been some rumors about Caroline with some ties overseas. So I know some folks are maybe nervous about that. But if there's anything that we learned in this time about the courage, that they've got people to slot in where they need them to slot in because the system is working for North Carolina.
0: Sandra, you brought it up. I have to ask. Do you think Caroline's being traded? Do you think she's
5: going? Uh, do I think she's going? An I feel statement. I love an I feel statement. <laughs> yeah. I think she's going. Wow. I think. Yeah. You have these World Cup performances and you have players kind of reintroduced to certain uh, parts of the globe, maybe leagues who are interested in, in building up their teams across the world tied to to England? Is she going to go to Man United? Is there going to be an agreement on a transfer? I think that's what it's all going to come down to. And look, North Carolina has shown that they're not afraid to make the move. And they might agree to a transfer, and we might not see Caroline uh, come back in in this window. But we won't know until we know. But I like the rumors and the possibilities for for North Carolina here.
0: Yeah, Sandra, you're our insider. I needed your inside scoop on what you thought was going to happen with Caroline. Number two team right now in the standings, Portland Thorns. They've been without heavy hitters during this World Cup and during their Challenge Cup play. But they've returned so many of those players, Sophia Smith, Christine Sinclair. How do you see Portland shaping out for the rest of this season?
5: I think they're going to be hanging out right there where we expected them to be. Look, these were the the reigning champions. The target was on their back. Is this going to be the team to beat? Yes, yes, and yes, and I think that's still the case as players return from the World Cup. We've got Canadians coming back into this league, Brazilians coming back into this league. I think anyone who unfortunately might have had an early exit from this World Cup could make their debut in this weekend. It all depends on, on, you know, comfortability and minute management. But I think Portland Thorns is one of those teams that even with some of these players who have been absent, they still have one of the deepest bench in the league and they could compete for the remaining titles whether it's going to be a shield or another NWSL championship I don't know if we're going to see Sophia Smith back in the mix this weekend it might be a little bit too early I know US women's national team players do get some time off after a major tournament but that's not to say that Rocky Rodriguez might not be back involved into the mix this weekend and she is a player that can absolutely mix it up in the midfield for the thorns.
2: Well, let's move on to this Gotham squad who was definitely not competing for the Shield or NWSL Cup last year, but they put themselves into third place right now. This is a squad under Juan Carlos Amros who has a lot of fluidity, freedom in the way that they move. But, Sandra, they give up goals. Is this going to be a team who figures out a way to stabilize the ship defensively so their attack can be more productive going forward?
5: Look, I love a team whose energy is we're just going to score more goals <laughs> than It's Gotham's time. I love it. I love what we've seen out of uh, Juan Carlos Amaro so far. And, of course, we have to talk about this rise in form from Mitch versus a player that Obviously, this team is much better when they have her available on the pitch. And we got to see those glimpses a bit in in Challenge Cup and how she can be a huge factor. Now, Ruina, another player as well, possibly making a return this weekend. To maybe tighten up some things on that back line, she can get involved in the attack and shut things down. But I think at this point in the season, in that midway point, is this the moment where we sort of see this team kind of lean into – the attack or the defense, because in that first half of the season, I'm I, I'm going to give Gotham some credit that they kind of helped kind of shut things down. They didn't concede a ton in those early phases of the season, but in this final second half this final stretch of the season are we going to see them more attacking minded and kind of want to lean in a little bit into that persona of a team where they're just Mm -hmm. going to get out there and try to run up some goals on you instead.
2: Yeah really quick follow up on that Lynn Williams maybe probably isn't making a return this weekend but do you see and anticipate her hitting the ground running when she does get back as she was before she left for the World Cup.
5: Absolutely. It just almost kind of feels like this is a player that kind of just ran out of time mm-hmm. in this World Cup. And it, a lot of that is because of, of the coaching decisions that were made throughout, uh, you know, the United States and Andonovsky and their run in the tournament. And anytime that we saw Lynn Williams getting pitches or touches on the pitch, we knew that there was a possibility of something special happening whenever she was on the ball. Now, unfortunately, Again, they made their early exit. When she eventually, I think, gets back into the mix for this Gotham side, I think it's going to be immediate. She's going to pick up right where she left off. And hopefully that's going to maybe tip the hat of the scale a little bit in how they're going to attack and move forward in this uh, final stretch of the season.
3: Sandra we've got to ask the last team oo rain they're going to have a bunch of big hitters coming back to them um, from this World Cup and I think that's just going to add to their momentum they're going to carry into the latter half of the season. How do you feel with them with the addition of these World Cup players being back on the squad.
5: I love the way they took care of business during Challenge Cup. They said done and dusted. This is supposed to be a break. Let's take care of business and get back. <laughs> to relaxing and have a little bit of time off before we have to go ahead and tackle this final stretch of the regular season. They're sitting in fourth right now, right? They're they're mm-hmm. they're that team that are a couple points away from North Carolina Courage in that top spot. But this is a team that is not a stranger to making a run for the NWSL shield. They've got three of them already. Can they go out and get a fourth? Yeah, I believe they can and that there's enough time for them to do that and they've got enough pieces coming back but similar to Portland. I think Oil rain is one of those teams that can compete for the title of deepest bench in the league. They have so many players that can turn it on on a dime and we saw that with Elise Bennett. We saw that with Bethany Balser. These are players Bennett specifically who maybe had a role more kind of featured off the bench Champagne problems, in my opinion, I think. <laughs> when the but maybe, just maybe, they've got their eye on a little bit of a bigger prize because the Shield is done it dusted. They have gone out and won that multiple times and know that they can get it. I think that this team is a team that absolutely wants to lift that NWSL Championship trophy at the end of the season.
1: Woo, thank you so much, Sandra. We are so excited for the return of the regular season, just as you are, and we'll continue keeping up with you throughout the rest of the season. Thank you. Ladies, I have to Thanks know show. what you guys are thinking about these last matches. Um, Portland against North Carolina. Can I get you a quick prediction before we go here? North Carolina. North
3: Carolina.
1: Portland. Ooh. <laughs> okay. supposed to be different. I like North it. North Carolina. <laughs> half and half. What's us half and half it. Um, all right, ladies. We have a huge semifinal coming up. We cannot wait to fill you guys in on Wednesday, 4 p.m. We will see you again.